Hey, what's up, Warrior? It is Jeff Anderson from WarriorLife.com, Warrior Life Academy, and welcome to podcast episode number 411. So recently, I was asked to be on the Killer Be Killed podcast with my friend Damian Ross. I've been friends with Damian for years and years. I've always been a huge fan of his work and uh, over in the self-defense realm there. And with everything heating up, he was getting a lot of questions about survival and how to be prepared, and especially when it comes to defensive measures and things like that. And um, hey, let's face it, watch the news and you're going to need this stuff more and more, right? Well, I got his permission to go ahead and repost this interview. Uh, we got a lot of great comments on it on YouTube and the live stream that we did. So I wanted to make sure I got it out to all of our people as well. So listen in to me and Damien talking about survival strategies. Here you go. Let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. And now, and now, the Kill or Be Killed Podcast with Damian Ross, founder and master instructor of the Self-Defense Company. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, Damien Ross here on the Killer Be Killed podcast, and I'm here with my good friend from warriorlife.com, Jeff Anderson. Shit, Jeff, how you been, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's been buttholes and elbows, it feels like, for about months now. Oh, uh, it's oh, been crazy. Man. So you launched a new platform. So for people who don't know, um, warriorlife.com, you know, just explain quickly where I know it's pretty extensive what's on there, but just, you know, what's it all about? Yeah. So we, we switched over. We had a magazine before modern combat and survival and um, just kind of out of frustration over a number of years of just uh, like wanting to be more selective with who I'm working with. Mm -hmm. We just, um, you know, really what, really what I've found in, in like all the training, different like hats I've worn throughout, throughout time and everything. um, I just, uh, there's this concept of the warrior that's just kind of thrown out there. Like, you know, right. The t-shirt, the bumper sticker, like everybody's got warrior, everything, but I would say warriors use as much as genius. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and epic, right? Ooh, genius warrior.com. I wonder if I have that. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, no, I just, you know, I realized that I think there, you know, there are those of us that really kind of walk the walk and there are a lot of people that, that, that talk the talk. And I was just kind of really tired of, um, of talkers, and really started to look at my own life as a protector and and with being just a commitment to being self-protected and self-reliant. Um, like, what does the concept of warrior mean? Like, is it the tattooed, you know, long bearded military right. contractor coming back from Afghanistan? Or is it, you know, I've, I've seen warriors of all different shapes, colors. And I went right. on uh, my girlfriend did a, a mud run um, like it was a few months back. And, you know, I saw women who like, obviously they're not living the daily life of a warrior, right? Like they're like, there were women that were, you know, greatly obese, but they were going over, um, you know, like these nets, like loaded with mud. They were just like, and it's just like, you know what? I turned on my, on my, we've got a, you know, our Facebook page and I just, I I turned on the camera and I was just like, these are fucking warriors. Like, even if it's just for a moment in time, like it's something more than just them. Like they're, they mean they stand for something more than themselves. Like they care about something and they're willing to push themselves 
beyond their their norm to be able right. to do something that's that's bigger and better. And so I really started looking at what makes up a warrior, who qualifies. And because I mean, I know you know this, there are a lot of people out there in the in the tactical world who are more tactical than tactical and right. who don't really walk the walk, but they'll right. wear the they'll they'll put on the bumper sticker and they'll wear the t-shirt and right. But they don't do anything to back it up, right? Like that's right. why I call them like there's the talkers and there the, there's the walkers. And I don't think it needs to be, it doesn't need to be like just invade your life and just take it over. I'm not talking about like you're just walking around with your head on a swivel 24 hours a day. Right. You got no life. You're just training in the gym and training with your firearm all the time. Like it's just about doing something, just right. something, just yeah. getting off your ass. And just even if it's just five minutes of something. And not just getting inside of a, a forum and just, you know, blasting people who are stupid because they say clip instead of magazine or whatever. Right. It's just it's like what really makes up that person. And for me, it's the person who's willing to walk the walk and, and be able to do something on a, a daily basis just to be able to do something to make themselves better today, a better protector, um, better self-reliant than they were yesterday. And to right. me, those are the people that we really devolve around. And, and so we built it like it's a lifestyle. It's just like we talk about like concealed carry, like owning a gun isn't like an event. It's a lifestyle. If you're going to get a concealed carry permit, like you carry, it's a lifestyle choice that you're making. And so yeah. we kind of look at it the same way. It's, you know, if you really want to call yourself a warrior, well, that means you got to, you got to do something. And it's, it's a lifestyle choice that you make. It's a commitment that you make to yourself, to your family, to be more self-reliant, to be more self-protected. And um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's really what we, we built it around. I mean, I think you touch on something uh, which I think is extremely uh, important, and this is where you know one of the many places uh, places we share uh, when you talk about um, you know people tr have this uh, concept of having to train all the time and having to spend hours in the gym, and at the end of the day, I think this um, to most people, uh, one, it all, you know, that level of commitment is not normal. Um, and they, you know, you're looking at levels of self-protection and self-reliance. It's like, you know, you've got your basic awareness and everyday things, which most everybody can do. And then it depends on how far you want to take this journey. But to your point, a little bit of the right stuff goes a long way right as opposed to a lot of the wrong stuff <laughs> now, exactly now you uh had mentioned so you know some of the topics covered um it's pretty extensive uh what you have in there you've got survival and self-defense um you've got uh firearms training uh, i know you've got um then you've got your bug out bag product and mm -hmm. then you still you've got your machete so uh, going back to, um, let's take it back to the beginning. So you serve in the military. Uh, you cared, uh, would you talk about that for a little bit about your service and how you've kind of evolved into this survival self-defense uh, lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, that really was kind of the, the the start of it for me. So, I mean, I'm a 10-year uh, Army veteran, light infantry um, for the most part, uh, 10th Mountain Division was where I started. It was a pretty hardcore unit. We were the first, uh, first when they reactivated uh, 10th Mountain Division, we were the first unit in. Um, 
spent time in combat and that was kind of like the big eye opener for me. There sure. were a number of things I think um because I'm finding more and more of the the military training having more of an impact in my life now and what we're putting out um, from mm -hmm. from a very specific standpoint. I'll I'll talk about that here in a minute but but really the big surprise for me was um my combat time was in like cities like it was in progressive cities and so the number one thing that I saw there wasn't really like the enemy and fighting the enemy. It was what happens to everyday average Joes and Janes um, when supply gets cut off. Right. That brought me into like, I mean, I, I saw the looting um, riots um, and the, and I'm not talking about like, you know, like we see in the streets now where like a protest turns bad right. and it becomes, I'm talking about just people like looking to survive because there was no food, there was no water, there was no sanitation. And it happens really, really quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. I mean, Crazy. it was, so, so there, there are the opportunists when there is no rule of law, there are those that will see it as an opportunity and they will stamp on it. And the good people, so to speak, right. will number one, watch that to see what happens. Like if the police come in or the military comes in and they, yeah. and they squash it, it's like, Oh, Glad I didn't do that. But if right. they see people getting away with stuff mm -hmm. in their mind, they're like, well, if they're taking it, like, that's not fair. Like, I'm going to get it, too. Right. You know where we saw this? This was really interesting. I don't know if you ever uh, caught this, but the Boston bomb, the Boston uh, Marathon bombing. Right. Mm -hmm. When that was going on, like, bombs went off. There were people, like, you know, their legs hanging off. Mm -hmm. And the T-shirt tent where they were selling T-shirts for the Boston Marathon, there were, like, like people in suits, there was a little, there was an old lady there, like not like a homeless old lady, like right. just women. And they were just taking like all the t-shirts that oh, she could, like I, as people have like body parts hanging off. Um, but that's I, the yeah. mindset that I saw was that people will, number one, are opportunistic. But then also when you're talking about survival, that's when things got really, really dicey. And seeing people that were um, like, we were stationed in one part of a city where it was a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And these people knew each other, like they had stores there. It was like, they were, they were really right. super sweet people. And then there was a tractor trailer that was there that was just sitting there. Like nobody really knew what was inside of it. Mm -hmm. And about the, the second day after there was no food coming in, um, water was, was um, sketchy. People decided to open that up and they realized that there was food in there. And it was freaking, it was a madhouse. People were beating on each yeah. other. They were, they were just trying to get to it. And um, we ended up having to go in there and loot for them. Like basically we got everybody to back up. We ended up handing out food wow. so that people wouldn't just kill each other over it. Right. But it was, that was the stuff that really got me um, like on the survival side, understanding. I think for me at the time, I wasn't thinking like, oh, wait, I can't wait to tell other people about this survival stuff. It was just observed. But right. As I started becoming more like realizing that the I don't want the like the government's not going to swoop in and save me during whether it's a natural disaster, which you know I had a small town that went through um, a deadly flood and right. like there's right. like you're it, you're yep. it, like you're going to be the savior for your family, you're going to be the hero for your family, you're going to help them survive. And so when I started looking at information online, it was just a bunch of like, wait a minute that that would never work like Christ. wait a minute people don't act like that wait a minute and i just started seeing this like just tactical zombie survival bullshit out there right. and it was right. just so i was like no no no. like here's my experience and here's what i know happens because i've seen it with my own eyes and here's how you really prepare for it versus you know 
get yourself all adorned in, you know, your, your sniper gear and your camouflage and go down main street with your AR 15 or whatever it is. Like, it's just, that stuff just doesn't work. Like you're going to get yourself killed. And so that's when we really started putting out like on the survival side of it too. Right. So, um, I mean, and that, that kind of goes across our whole thing. So it's all like, you know, you can call it reality based or whatever, but it, you really have to base things on reality, whether it's self-defense to, you know, to your point and the stuff right. we talk about or firearms training. There's just so much misinformation out there that people don't that don't know any better are going to take that as either training or what they should be doing. And it's just going to get them in trouble. So when you evaluate something, when you're looking at something, how do you what's your checklist of how you go through like, OK, oh, we you know, because. I'll follow down somebody talking about some, you know, self-defense tactic. And then I'll be like, good, good, good. And also be like, nope, that's shit. And then it just turns to crap. So when you're evaluating these things, what's like, what are some of your triggers? A, a lot of it's just based upon like personal experience. Like I've, I've sure. trained a lot. So I've, I've gone into situations with realistic training where it, um, <clears throat> where I've tested what I thought I knew. Right. And a lot of right. martial arts, mar- a lot of martial artists in quotes right. have discovered that the hard way, right. They go out there and it's like, they go to get in a fight and they, they get in their karate stance or whatever. And then all of a sudden they get their ass kicked and they go, wait a minute, that right. didn't work. Right. And so they, you start to really like learn, like I always say, like my business was, was entirely built on failure because I've learned the hard way. Right. Um, I've told this story before, but like, um, you know, I mean, I was, I was in combat. I was in a hardcore unit in the military. I was in for 10 years. I did a lot of, a lot of stuff. Where were you basically, and, where, where, where were you stationed or where did you? I was stationed. I was in, um, I started off at Fort Drum, New York, uh, mm-hmm. froze my ass off for, uh, three and a half years. And then I was in Panama. I've been in, um, Honduras and, uh, Texas. I mean, I've been, been all over the place. Right. Um, yeah, I was in for, I was in for 10 years there, mm-hmm. but, you know, so, but getting out of that and then I was, I was, uh, I got married. I had a, a child and I was walking home. I, w- I worked from home. So I was walking him like, he was only like three years old. I think he mm-hmm. was. And we went to the, the local school just, I mean, we we're in a nice, like upscale kind of, um, yep. you know, suburban area outside of Chicago, no crime or anything there. And, uh, I took him to the playground like I did every day after lunch and was walking back along the sidewalk to our house. And he was holding onto my hand in this white van, like this, like old panel van, you know, it just came yeah. screeching up to, uh, to a halt, like within probably like 15, 20 feet of me. And the side door just slams open. And this guy just like, I remember he was like really grubby, just kind of runs out at me and, he, I just, it was happening like it was in slow motion, but he just was coming right at me at like breakneck speed. And then he had his hand in his back pocket right? and he pulled out his hand and like, he hand, like he handed me a business card and I just, I froze like hidden. He, he just like, it was almost like one sentence. He's just like, just in right. the neighborhood, just looking for a business. If you need your lawn mode, give us a call. And then they jumped oh, back shit. in the van and they took off. And I just, I remember feeling like shit, like the rest of the day and everything, because it was like, like I've been in combat, like for God's sake, like why would I ever let somebody just jump out of a van when I've got my three-year-old? I mean, he could have had a taser. He could have had a night. He could have like, I would never see my son again. Like what would ever happen to him? 
And I just, I guess, how could that possibly happen? And then I realized that it's not just about, it's not just about the training. It's about how do you support the training in your everyday life? How do you make right. what you've done practical? Because I think my brain always just took it, oh, that's the battlefield. Right. You switch it off. off. Sure. Yep. You switch 100%. it off. And it's not like you can be, because I've done, I've done executive protection work too. And that's just, it's mentally draining to try and be 100%. on all the time. Yes. Yeah. It's, yes. it's mentally fatiguing. Paying attention. So, but so how do you like, so I've learned from that, from that example. So just to your point, like it's things that I've learned, you know, one of the, I have a, um, a video that went viral on, on YouTube, like years and years or years ago about why you should never punch in, in a street fight. Right. And I get it. Like some people, like, I mean, people, people got all like uptight about it. Like, <laughs> like three quarters of the people said, I have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. And the other quarter is like, no, he knows what he's talking about. And it's like, it's I like, just say it because I carry a gun. Right. And I have punched even just a bag in practice and folded right. my wrist right. or jammed my thumb or whatever it is. The thing that makes you like, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Oh, damn, damn, damn. Right. That yeah. doesn't work in a real fight. Like I want to be able to get to my gun. Like my my goal, if I'm being attacked, is right. to get somebody away from me with my hands so that I can use my hands to get 100%. to my gun. 100%. So um, it's just stuff. It's just stuff like that. Like when I look at reality based, I look at what would work. Now, that being said, mm -hmm. if somebody's Taekwondo, like double monkey fist back kicks, double somersault, like is the right. one thing that they can pull off in a real fight. To, like, who am I to say, like, no, right. you shouldn't do that. Right. Like work it. Like if you're right. going to, if you're going to get behind something, like test it, like not just right. on a bag, not just on a styrofoam pad, but like take the bot, even if it's the Bob dummy, like right. I've, I've hurt my hand on Bob dummies before. Like, Oh shoot that, that like, I don't want to do that anymore. Like that, I'm not going to put that in my arsenal anymore. Right. So that's, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's really just like, it's the school of hard knocks really. Right. And I, and I think uh, again, to your point, you know, it's like even some of the people, especially that we go through it, like I've known some tough, 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 like street smart martial artists um, that I know have been in a number of street fights. But, and they'll go in and they'll be teaching the same bullshit that, you know, we make fun of. And I'm like, that's never happened to you. Why do you teach it? Well, it's because they teach it. They don't reflect really what they've gone through with um you know in their own lives against what they're teaching and i think that's part of what you do is that you're constantly evaluating and reflecting and you know putting it up to that litmus test of you know does this will this work and can i do it and you know we talked about this you know always looking to simplify um because again like you know we talked uh, the uh, you know collecting you know little gadgets and crap like that when you know at the end of the day like if you had so you've got your bug out bag right so what what are like the essential things so we talk about gadgets there's tons of like techno gear or whatever bullshit like i mean guys sell like credit card knives and other things and you know a bunch of shit so you have your bug out bag so like what are the essentials that you should carry um, it's, I mean, it's a long list. Like I always, I split it up into three different, three different levels. So you've got the must haves, the nice to haves, which is, you know, and it really ba is based upon like the must haves you really absolutely have to have. Right. The, the nice to haves are basically, um, 
again, we get into reality here because if, you know, if you're overweight, if you're out of shape or whatever, and you think yes. you're going to, like, I see these guys with these gigantic bug out bags. Right. Like we didn't do that. Like in light infantry in 10th mountain, man, I was like, I was a forward observer. So right. there were times where I was out on my own for up to like a week or so. Wow. I'm um, just like, just me and my art, my radio telephone operator. And so, um, like we had to subsist on that, but you, you really learn what's important and what's right. not. When you have to, first of all, walk out there, like we're not getting choppered out there or anything. So we have to right. walk out there and then, um, and then you're just there. So food, like MREs are really heavy. Um, you yeah. see, that's what I'm saying. You see a lot of guys putting like MREs in their, in their, uh, their bug out bags. And it's like, we didn't even use those in the army a lot of times. Right. So if we did, okay. we stripped them all down, but they, they're already uh, constituted with water. So we wouldn't like water, it's, it's eight weight, pounds yeah. per gallon. So that, right. that adds up, especially step after step. So um, so you've got to be able to carry the stuff too. Um, so we have the must-haves, the nice-to-haves, and then the extreme stuff, which is mm -hmm. the things that you can really, like they're not ex extremely necessary, but you can like extra ammo, things like that, that you're going to mm -hmm. bring, like the type of weapon that you bring with you, those sorts of things. Um, for me, the biggest part when it comes to like bug out bags and the reason why, you know, I designed my own was because I could not find what I knew would actually work in under real conditions, which was something that didn't make me look like a soldier. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like the guys that are out there that, you know, call themselves doomsday preppers or whatever, just call themselves. No, nobody really calls himself a doomsday prepper, but like call right. themselves preppers. But it makes them feel um more prepared because they look like a soldier. You know, they've got, right. you've got the camo right. backpack and it's all yes. loaded up and they've got their AR 15. And it's like, dude, like street criminals, like they don't like, they don't like, they already know, like people have seen enough episodes where they can see like, Oh, that's a person that has food. Shit. Right. I don't have any food. Right. He's not really looking right now. Right. And wait, he's <laughs> sleeping right now. Like right. I've got a Louisville slugger that will beat yep. that AR 15 any day. And so right. it's just about not, you know, people talk about being gray man, but it's about really like walking that, that walk. And so ours is not, it's an alcamilled up. It's, we always say like, be tactical, but don't look tactical. Right. So you don't want to draw attention, but you still want to maintain as much of the operational um, advantages that you can of tactical gear and, and things like that, that mm -hmm. are designed for survival. Like they're lightweight, they're, they're made for military, but there's ways to do it without looking like you're just out there waiting for the, you know, Mad Max to come up in the, uh, and the Challenger and just, you know, right. through the Interceptor. What was it? The V8 Interceptor? It was an Interceptor. Yeah, it's an Australian car. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got Still I got waiting problems. for mine. I got yeah. problems. I got problems, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, like, how many, like, typically, like, how many days would you pack for or would you have it for? And then what are some of those must-haves that you have? Um, sure. What are some of those must-haves? So, it's, that's a good question. So, um the typical, you know, the standard thing that you would, you would pack for is for three days. Right. And that's, but that's really like, that's just kind of a general number. Um, you've got to have a destination. Like there's more around it, right? Like, that's, sure, sure. that's unfortunately another problem is that people think about the gear only, but they don't think about where they're going. The plan. Yeah. Like what is right. it supporting? Like, in fact, I talk a lot about how in, um, in the operations order, like in the military, we have a very defined structure for how we, plan out a mission. It's an operations order. It's got many parts to it and it is super, super detailed. And the gear portion, like what you're going to take on the mission isn't until like way at the end of the operations order. 
Right. Unfortunately, a lot of people put it in the front end. Right, right. Sure. A lot of people right. that are survivalists will like they think they they're doing the gear, the gear, the gear, rather than the gear supports the plan. What's your right. you have to have a plan first. And so so based upon that, three days is the typical thing that mm-hmm. you would you would plan for. Um and then like the must-haves, I always just tell people it's basically just like what do you need to survive? And it's the just go back to grade school. We need shelter, we need food, we need water, and we need security. And that's really it. Um, right. So shelter, we don't do, I don't do tents. I don't do tarps. All we ever used in the military and light infantry was um, a poncho and a few bungee cords. And that was it. Right. That's all I've ever used to this day. I've never used a tent. My kids used to be embarrassed when I went boys on Boy Scout trips with them. Like everybody else had cool pop-up tents. Pop-up all the other parents right. did. And I'm like, nope, here's my poncho and my bungee cord. Shut up, <laughs> Junior. Get in there. And um, Loving you. So it's like, uh, and then, so food, you know, there's a lot of ways you could go with food. It is like definitely go lightweight. So things like um, things that are freeze dried foods, they've gotten a lot more, well, they've gotten more expensive now with the, with uh, some of the the increases in prices lately, but pound, you know, ounce for ounce, they're going to be the better options for you. The cheaper way out of that is, you know, like I said, we didn't, we didn't do uh, MREs a lot in the military, but we, we brought a lot of ramen out to the field. Ramen's also awesome. lightweight. Like, just add water. Yeah, it's and just that water. Right. The packets have a lot of sodium in it. You're going to lose a lot of electrolytes when you're out in the field. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's been a lot of advances since you know these old timers. Well, they're still theory. they're still like under a buck each. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, really, really <laughs> twenty five cents each for each of those things, and you can carry like I sh- I did a, I used to have a video. I took it down because like the video quality was so horrible. It was so old, right. but. You know, I showed um, like canned beans next to MREs next to uh, ramen noodles and what three days looks like. And it's just not even close. Like three right. days of ramen noodles is so much more lightweight and, and things like that. And then they had a bunch of people that were, you know, trolling me on there about like, well, that won't sustain you. It won't, you know, it's made up a bunch of crap and it's just, it's not nutritious. And it's not like, dude, we're talking three days. Like we lived on it for like seven days out right. in the field at a time. So right. ask, you know, ask any freaking college kid like you can you can go pretty yeah. far on a on, 100%. On it's not health food but but you can do it right and then a water one of the big things we tell people is that like the survival straws aren't really that good because they're only good for when you're at water um you can you can kind of bottle up water and then you can use the survival straw inside of it but the better thing to do is to have some sort of a a water bladder with an inline water filter connected to it. That just allows you to like, it doesn't matter what you come up to as long as there's no petroleum products or anything like that in it. Mm-hmm. Like you can come to a duck pond, like a, you know, it just doesn't matter. It can be nasty right. ass water, but you just put it in there and it'll, it'll, um, it'll filter out all that stuff. And then security, we talk about, you do need some way to protect yourself because when it's people fighting for, you know, just for keeping their kids fed or whatever it is, then yeah, You've just got to have a sense of security. That's why I say like, you don't want to look tactical because your first element, I mean, in the military, we wore camouflage to right. blend in. Right. Now, you, you know, you don't have to dress up like a bush, but you right. you know, you just want to blend in with the other people. That's why we tell people like, one of the things is like, if there's no, if there's no electricity, there's no water and things like that. And, um, and so that's one of the things we talk about is the grid going down. Like it's a very real possibility. Um, you know, if you're, if you have a generator and like, it's pitch black in your neighborhood, except for your house, your which house. is just like a beacon of light, like, right. 
somebody's got a generator. I wonder if their refrigerator works. Right. Um, we've had people that have written to us and said, you're so right. Like the, um, the power went out, they went down to the grocery store and they had a generator. And so as everybody was hoarding food, they grabbed ice cream and things like that. And people saw, well, wait a minute, why do you have, you have ice cream? And then, so it, it made a real problem for this person because it showed everybody around them that they were more prepared than, right. than other people were. So same thing with, um, so when it comes to security, your first line of defense is not being noticed at all. That's, it's right. not looking tactical, but then you do need some sort of a weapon. Your hands are always going to be, you know, your brain, and your hands are always going to be your first line of, you know, your next line of defense. So you definitely want to, um, you know, and I think that's a, a big mistake of a lot of people that are just too gun heavy yeah. is, you know, what do I need to learn how to fight for? I've got a gun. Um, oh, so it's boy. not just about yeah. AR-15. Yeah, it's not just about AR-15s and sniper rifles. You know, it's, right. you've got to have other other means of security. So, so what would be your prefer? You sound like you're leaning towards you know uh, handgun as your uh, concealed weapon. So there are different weapons for different um, for different things. And most of the time, the I mean, it's not like you know, oh, the power's out, honey, grab the bug out bag. We're heading off into zombie right, land. Like right. your house is typically going to be the best place to be until it isn't. And right. that's what I think another failure of a lot of people that are planning aren't planning for what do you do if, you know, while well, you're just one Molotov cocktail away from, right. from, uh, you know, from being homeless and, and all right. those snacks of flour are just now gone. So, right. so, but when you're at home, you know, we look at it more as like a home defense type of a situation. So mm -hmm. that's where something like a rifle, a shotgun, that's going to have better, uh, that's sure. be a better option for you. But like for, if I'm looking at, I always look at it as, well, what if I, what if I do need to leave? Um, then I want something that I, I, I can hide. So a concealed handgun is going to be the best thing for you. Um, I did a video on this also about a 22 revolver. Mm -hmm. Just a, I've got a Ruger um, um, LCR, just 22 revolver that um, I can carry a shit ton of 22 ammo oh, yeah. if I need to. Um, goes a long way. Nobody's going to want to get shot. Like I'm not saying it's an elephant killer. Right. I'm not saying it's the best man stopper, but nobody wants to get shot. And a lot of times all you need is just like the round to go off and somebody's right. they're going to hightail it out of the area. So I'm not saying it's like the best security item, but it is a good one. Revolvers aren't going to be, you know, like whereas semi-automatics, if you're in an extended period where it's uh, inclement weather, then you know, you might have rusting, you might have debris, things that right. it's not as reliable as like a revolver. And right. so you can carry a lot of ammunition. There's just a lot of things you can do with that. It's also transferable. Uh, so I do carry a um, an AR pistol. Like I have other options that I, that sure. I carry with me. In, it's not inside of my bag. Like we design, that's one of the other things about our, our XBOB is like we design other components of it. So it has like a concealed rifle bag in it, or you can okay. conceal other handguns in it as well and it basically you don't see it from the outside but it's got right. a quick release like you just pull this thing out it opens up and then you can get to it so an ar pistol that's chambered in like 556 five, mm -hmm. 223 right. but also what i carry with me is a uh is a 22 adapter uh, okay. bolt for it so i can quickly right, right. i can go from 556 five, pull it out throw yeah. it in now i've got like 22 rounds i can i can right. load up on those and so um, it gives me lots of different options. So that allows me to, if I want to hunt without as much of a register as like a 22, I mean, a, a 223. 
Um, I can do that. Like it just gives me more options. And that's what we really look at is like giving yourself as many options as possible. No. I mean, the, the military doesn't use 22. So like if somebody wants to go with nine millimeter, it's a NATO round. Right. So I always look at, you know, if I don't have ammunition for my, for my firearm, it's just a big giant paperweight. It's a club. Right. You know? So, right. so I look at where, if I need to get ammo, what am I going to be able to get to? I know I'm going to be able to get to most likely NATO rounds. So five, five, yeah. six, nine millimeter, uh, seven, six, two. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with things that I can use there, but the 22, I can carry a lot of it. So, yeah. and it's relatively inexpensive. I can stockpile it in different areas, things right. like that. So, right. Now you mentioned, so the backup, so we talked a little bit about the, uh, the machete that you developed, mm-hmm. which again, you're, I know you're a huge proponent of that. What was the evolution of that and what, you know, why a machete? Yeah. The evolution of that was, was combat. It was right. just, um, freaking, I know what it's like to be out there and running out of ammo And, uh, it's like, you know, you don't go back to the, you know, to the, to the little tent, you know, like next to the lemonade stand like, all right, I'm here for my next round of ammo. Like when you're out there and there's bullets flying, you're, uh, that's why I was so glad. Like when I first went in the military, we still, we were still on full auto with M16s and then they switched over to three round burst. And it's like, that's, that's what I'm, that's another example of what I see out there is like people that just want like, oh, I can pull, turn my rifle into full auto. And it's like, yeah, I don't know why you would do that. (laughs) So, um, so it was really like realizing that, holy shit, if I run out of ammo, like my ass, like I'm, I'm huddled behind, behind right. something trying to like, just not get shot at that point. That's not right. a good place to be. So, um, so I realized that, okay, I needed a backup and I wasn't issued a handgun. It's not like you take our own stuff in there. So I didn't have right. a handgun with me or anything like that. Um, and if I take, and that's another thing. I don't, if I take my, you know, one of my, my partner's ammo now they're now they have less ammo. So I always right. look at it from that standpoint. So um, for me, it was like, what was be my, what was my best backup? If I completely ran out of ammo, right. um, I wasn't going to fix bayonets. I wasn't going to use right. my knife. And so the best thing I had was my military issue machete. Mm-hmm. And so I took that with me and then I realized how important that was. Mm-hmm. And I've carried that through and it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to be good with a handgun, I better learn how to use it. Right. If I'm going to be good with my hands, I better train how to use them. Right. If I'm going to be good with a machete, I better train how to use this thing. And I realized that there were um, different, like the machete is in some countries, the way that you end arguments, you go down right. to Central America, you go down to like, I was in Panama and um, you know, in Honduras and Mexico. And it's like, like sometimes it's like they're not like breaking out the guns. A lot of those places they're not allowed to have them and they don't carry around with them. Right. But the first thing they're going for is a machete if, when they mean business. And so I took that as, okay, well, I'm going to go like I'm going to let the, the natives like tell me of what's the most important thing. And so I started training in Indian Gutka. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I teamed up with a guy that um, studied African and Haitian uh, machete fighting. And um, so we kind of like spent a couple of years just developing, like taking the best of each of them and just developing a real system around how to fight with a machete. And then we did develop the machete. out. So we built a kind of a machete fighting system. And then there's the um, um, our machete, which which will cut through. It'll hack through solid steel, like not solid steel, but like um, a, a truck hood. 
Wow. And it won't even like damage the blade. Like, like I would buy machetes on the market from big name brands. Like I, like yeah. I love Scoggs knives. Like I, I love their knives. I bought their machete and like took one hack at a car hood and it just, it, it just bent the whole thing. Other ones just break. I mean, it's just like, this ain't going to cut it for me. So we set up, my, my son was into blacksmithing and we really looked at metals and different things like that. And we came up with a design and came up with the machete and, and that really, um, it's a, it's a lot heavier than other machetes. I would imagine. Yeah, it is. But sure. the, the benefit of it though, is that using the system, it's a very, like the, the Gutka system Mm-hmm. uses it's not like like you're rearing back and you're hacking like you would normally yeah. use it goes around your body so um there's a way you're kind of using the centrifugal force yep. where you can do it very quickly but it also gains a lot of momentum and yep. it also masks where you're going to strike somebody so it, there's a lot of different benefits to it but the weight of our machete works to your benefit by um the way that we the way that we end up using it um in the system too so they kind of go hand in hand so it sounds familiar to like uh a kukri um no it's not, not at it's, all. it's a bolo style um it's a bolo style machete it has okay. the standard like 18 inch blade on it all which right is the same as like the uh the military machete okay um but the problem that we found with kukri was is like it it ha- it has a lot of power because of its yeah. um the angle of it mm-hmm it also doesn't go through. So right. yes, you're going to like hack into somebody, but the Gutka fighting system was designed for multiple attackers and it okay. was designed to be used two swords or two machetes at a time. Sure. And there's a uh, very specific uh, move where it creates this 360 degree, like basically turns you into a human, like ninja blender. Like it just, right. it just like there's um, the blade, both the blades going front and back and the side all at the same time. And so, um, it's, it's made, it's designed for multiple attackers. It's been used in multiple attacks in India mm-hmm. where there was political unrest. Um, the Sikhs were the ones that developed the system. Mm-hmm. And during the, um, um, when Indira Gandhi was, was, um, assassinated and it was the two Sikh bodyguards that were a part of it. Like there was just, okay, kill all Sikhs. And like the, the streets were just like anybody that was a Sikh, they were just, people were killing them. And so, right. um, there was a, there's an 80 year old guy that they found the police showed up and there was just like a hundred bodies lying around him. And it was just one guy and huh. his, and his swords. And it's like, that's what the system was designed for was mm-hmm. for multiple attackers. And Kukri doesn't like, it stops too much. Like it, it mm-hmm. provides a lot of power, but it, it'll stick in like the bone right. or wherever you're doing. It's made for like hacking like that. Yeah. And it is made for combat. Like, like, you know, you can't argue with um, the Kukri warriors. I mean, they were, right. hard, they were badasses, but right. it's just a different type of a system. So ours is made to kind of like go through and continue the battle after after that. One of the things that always, you know, it's funny because like we as, you know, combative students, if you will, seeking the, you know, seeking the truth in training. And you talk about uh, the, the, the locals with their machetes and how good they get at it using it well it's like when you use it for everything you know when you're chopping cane you know vegetation and it's just by your side and you're living with this thing yeah man you know you know you chop you chop thousands of things thousands of times yeah you know you're gonna be pretty freaking good at it absolutely yeah absolutely yeah you know and so 
Um, we'll have links uh, to both the bug out bag and the machete in the uh, in the description for people who want to check it out um, for Jeff's stuff. Now, one of the things I wanted to touch on too is uh, your vehicle. So it's like time to bug out, right? I mean, the house is burning. Got the bag. Got the obviously again when we're when we're planning, you know, these things as you'll talk about in your in your programs. It's like, look, I've got three people. I got to feed for three days, right? Mm. Things like that. And this is where we're going. You've got a, you've got a, you got a plan mapped out. You know, I noticed um, a couple times. But the last time was when we had Hurricane Sandy, and you talk about people getting people get feral very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. And when there's no line at the gas, my mom at the time was like 80 years old, and she's like getting in arguments with people on the gas line. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm not, I wasn't there. She's telling me about it. I mean, but this is my mom, literally little old lady. She's all like, you know, f not even five feet anymore, you know, getting brazen enough because it turns out to be more than just gas. It's like this gas means survival. And again, this was like three days of shit that people just it broke down and we could still get food. Now, back to my original point so you know how like a vehicle um so you know what types of things you know would you you know would you have in your vehicle and you know how would you stage it um especially i, I know that's going to depend on your area a bit uh if you don't have a lot of trees you don't necessarily have to carry have a chainsaw yeah. but you know like for me it'll be you know extra gas axe <clears throat> chainsaw you know, things like that. I don't know if you want to touch on that a little bit. Sure. So yeah. 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 That, I mean, it's a, it's a really good topic because again, I mean, and I, and I think anybody that's listening will start this. What I, I really try to do is just challenge people to use um, going back to your original point. Like, how do you know what's realistic and what's not right? Like a lot of it just comes down to common sense, but people don't typically question what they read or what they're taught or what this guy from Iraq said or, you know, whatever. Right. And so, when you really start to look at it, like all, all your vehicle needs to do is get you from point A to point B right. as fast as possible, right? So, so one thing is taking fast, decisive action on getting out of Dodge if like you got to know what your triggers are. So, mm -hmm. and, that, and that depends upon the planning that you do in your area and things like that. So if you are, if you get on the road early enough, when you, if you think like your area could become a problem, or if they, they might call for evacuation, but they're not really sure or whatever. Yeah. Like, don't wait for that because everybody else is going to wait for it. And right. you want to be ahead of that. So at that point, a Volkswagen bug, it doesn't matter. Like, it, right. like just get on the road and just go. Um, however, Great Great you have to start to look at also what's the worst case scenarios. Like if you don't get on time or it's a, a wildfire that, you know, all of a sudden sprung up overnight. And now you're trying, right. like, you're trying to get out. So. Um, so then we start looking at like what obstacles would there be in your way? The most common one is going to be traffic, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so knowing what your routes are, having having multiple routes planned out, knowing where you're going to. Um, but then we start to look at like kind of more of the extreme things. So you need to, you're going to need fuel. And I've been in like locations where there was no fuel and I was on empty. And so it's like, OK, well, what would you do when you start um you know, kind of a, a game, a game playing this about like, what would I do if like people need to stop planning for the best case scenario? 
You right. start planning for the worst case scenario, and that's what gives you confidence. So um, I always tell people like having the ability to carry fuel with you. So, um, you know, I've got uh, two 14 gallon tanks that I have that go on top of my car. And again, camouflage like they go for me. I've got a, um, you know, one of the luggage uh, holders yeah, yeah. goes on top. Yeah. They go inside of there because right. you're going to the reason why traffic backs up is because people run out of gas and they break down and they don't. If everybody's ever been running, if ever been on the uh, highway, just like trying to press it, you're not over on the shoulder. Like you're just like you're in the middle lane. And all of a sudden, if it goes poof, it's like, oops, then you're yep. trying to get over to the to the side of the road. But right. if there's already a, a bunch of people there already, like you're not getting over there. Now you're in the right. middle. Now you've stopped up traffic. Right. So the people that are out of gas, they see these giant red you know, fuel cans on top of your truck. Right. And you're like going at a cr- snail's pace right. like, hey, I need some fuel. Can you give me some fuel? What we always right. say is like, um, people are going to ask, they're going to ask if they yep. see you have food, if they see you look clean and they're dirty, you smell like soap and they smell like funk, like right. you've got something that they need. Right. And so they're going to ask. And when you say no, they're going to beg. And when you say no again, some of them are going to demand. Yep. And if you say no, then some of them are just going to take and potentially by force. And so- right. So you've got to, again, you got to like blend in as much as you can. So fuel is one thing. So carry it how much you can have the ability to um, get it if you, if you aren't bringing it. So having a, um, a siphon that you can bring with you, you know, use car lots, there's new car lots, um, have one that's a, a newer version that goes through like those tanks. Like there's, you know, it's not like the old days you stick a garden hose down the tank right, and suck it. Yeah. Not like the good right. old days when we used to steal our, our gas. But um, so so that's so fuel is a is a huge thing, huge thing, especially if the grid goes down, there there is no more fuel tanks. Right. Like that's it. Um, so that's one thing. Also, any obstacles. So if you do have to get around, can you go off-road? Now I've shown how I've taken, I used to have a mini Cooper. Yeah. And I showed, okay, well. You work with what you've got. I'm not saying you need to go out and buy a monster truck, you know, right. to get up to your remote bunker in the woods. But like you do need to have a way that you can if you do need to go on the shoulder of the road, um, if you get stuck, how are you going to get out? So something that you can anybody that's lived up north, like I'm from New York. I know you're in you're yeah. up north also. So like you get stuck, you need something to put underneath the tires, things like that. You can improvise things like, you know, floor mats and things like that. Yep. But there are some simple things that you can add to your uh, to your vehicle that is going to help you. Extra fluids, like you know your vehicle, just keep it in you know good working condition, things yep. like that. But that's what I look at is um and and to your point also, I think uh, I forgot what it was you said earlier, but um oh not like you're going to bring a chainsaw with you. Right. Well, you could. I do. But, <laughs> but um, one thing I do carry with me, and this is kind of like a you got to be careful with this also is a um um heavy bolt cutters. Yes. And um, because, you know, I, I take, I like to learn from other people's mistakes more than I like to learn from mine. And so one of the, uh, we just did so that the half day workshop on exactly like this topic, like how do you plan for evacuation? And the example that I gave at the beginning was a guy that during the, uh, the wildfires a few years ago, um, they, they were back in a remote part of the mountain fire uh, got up there. He got a bunch of people together. They took their sweet ass time, now, like they're, the fire's coming up around them. They finally yeah. are getting to the edge and they reach a fence and it has a padlock on it. Right. And they, like 
oh shit. Like that's yeah, a great, great point, man. They all died Trevor except for the guy that was leading them out. And he I have the video. They took it down. I, I managed to get the video before they took it off the internet, but but I mean there's skeletons in the cars. They all just got burned yeah, to yeah. ashes because they didn't have a bolt cutter. So that's what I look at. If I can yeah, go off road where everybody else is on road, if I can take trails, all of a sudden, oops, private yep. land, you know, and yep. there's a big ass gate and it's got a padlock on it. Nope. Yep. See ya going right yeah, through. That's great. So, I'm adding that. Yeah. Brilliant. Like, but the reason I say you gotta be careful is because um, if you're caught with them, like if you get pulled over on police and they see them, things like that, then it can open you up to, well, why do you have that? Um, right. So that's what we look at. Like, I, I don't think you can buy like big, I'm trying to think of um, like, I know in some places you can't buy bolt cutters because they're, it's not like they're illegal, but like you have to have a reason for having them. So if you're a janitor or whatever, so I keep them like hidden. I don't keep them like yeah. on top of my, uh, my vehicle or anything like that. Well, again, they, to your point, uh, to your point, I mean, these things are hidden and covered. Uh, they're not in plain mm -hmm. view. I mean, you're not drawing attention to yourself. I mean, are my bug out vehicles, a jacked up Jeep, but yeah. still it's, uh, you know, it looks like it's just something you would off road with. So you expect to kind of see winches and crap like that on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, the bull cutter thing is being added to the bag that gets thrown in the back. Where yeah. we go. Um, so like given everything that's going on today, what is concerning you the most, hmm. you know, from, from your, uh, vantage point yeah i mean there's a lot that keeps me up at night. <laughs> but there's some um but you know i'd like the um you can you can put out a, a a link or whatever but um because even like the bug out bag we don't have a sales page for that i noticed because um, i was looking for it so yeah no we don't like, we don't i get like, asked about it all the time because I, I i'll do videos with like and people ask where do i get that and it's like we we only we only sell, we only do it in small batches. Like we're not a big company like Expedition, uh, Maxpedition or anything like that. Right, so right. like the only way to get it is through like our masterclass because. Okay. So they go, made, to war, they, they go to your website, they go to warrior life. They'll be able to get access to this stuff. They don't. So we run it like um, okay. we run it. Like we run it for other people that want to. Jeff, where the hell am I sending these people? I know, right? <laughs> what I'll do is I'll get you a link that will go okay. out to it, and I would suggest right, like great. using that link to go out to people because okay. here's the thing: is like right. I want them to be in the right mindset, right? Like I want I them just like when you have people that come to your training, right? You know, you want them coming in the mindset that they're serious about it, right? Correct. And so. That's and this kind of goes back to your like very first question, like the evolution of warrior life. It's like I'm done dealing with talkers. Right. Like I don't want the people that are just like gear focused. Like no, it doesn't. It's not like I, you can't have my bag. Like I don't want right. you to have it. Right. Unless number one, I can get you to think differently. Right. So the master class really goes through like the, the a different framework of a mindset. Right. That is pretty much completely the opposite of all the other shit that I find out there, and right. so. Like, I want people to understand the reason why. And then yeah. if you're on board with me, like, take it. If you're not on board with me, don't, like, don't waste it. We've got limited quantity. Like, it's going to the people that really believe the way right. that I just told you to believe. So, right. so, so that's really, um, so that's a big part of it is that. Um, what was your original question? I'm sorry, I'm old. I forget. Uh, like, so, with all that's going on today, I know there's oh, a lot well, of Oh, well, it me up tonight. Yeah, gotcha. Right. Okay. You know. Yeah. So there are, there are things that we talk about in that master class because that's the other thing that we run up against is like 
The reason why people don't plan is because it's too overwhelming. And I think for the most part, like they know things can happen, yes. but they don't like deep down believe it'll happen. And there right. are things that could literally change life as we know it overnight. Yep. Um, so the grid going down, we already know the enemy is inside of our power grid. The government has already said that, like they've, they've already admitted, like, and they've been asked, well, why haven't they just flipped us off? Like, you know, <laughs> like, right. you know, like literally like <laughs> flip right. the switch on us right. and, um, and our, like our hackers, like our, our insane hacker team of the U S government mm-hmm. has said, we don't know. Like we know they're in there. We find them in there. They could literally turn us out, but we don't know why they haven't. The only thing we can think of is that the timing just isn't right. Right. So then the question is, well, when is the timing right? Like as long as there's international trade and all these things are happening, like we kind of need each other. But when they don't need us anymore, you know what? Screw you. And they flip the switch. And so- so grid, the grid going down, like it's still, our grid is still held together with bubble gum and duct tape. Yeah. So it's, I don't it's like very the idea easy. of it being centralized, but yeah, it's gotta be, you know, it's, it's gotta be, the shit's gotta be fixed. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, down in Texas, look what happened. I mean, that's, right. and, exactly. and that was like an independent part of section of the grid too. But right. I mean, it's, it shows how dependent we are. I mean, who would think, I mean, like freaking Inuit not Eskimos, right? Like Inuit, like they can live inside of like, they don't have any freaking heaters, but you know, when people die in Texas from, it was too cold outside, like they didn't have any, like that shows you the level of preparedness that 99% of the people out there even have. So the grid going down is a, is a huge thing Um, that will shut down all um, resupply to cities and everything else. Um, Another thing are, is a bio warfare. So Mm -hmm. we just went through, you know, all this stuff with the pandemic and we're right arguably still going through in, in certain areas or whatever, but, right. um, but this is just like scratching the surface. Like I've been screaming about a pandemic coming for the last seven years. Right. And um, nobody, just nobody believed me. You know, it's the tinfoil hat looks good now, Jeff. It does. Right. I know. <laughs> and you know, and I, and I get, and I get people that will, um, you know, it's like, Oh, it's just a big hoax or whatever. And it's like, well, I've had friends that really did think it was a hoax and, the, and we, they've lost family members. Like I really even, thought it was a hoax and then it but wasn't even real so, or imagined. The shutdowns were real. Matter. Everything else. It doesn't matter. And the it panic doesn't matter. is real. We watch people fighting over who's wearing a mask and who's not, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to have a debate on the efficacy of masks. Right. <laughs> you know, when somebody's exactly. freaking out. Right. So yeah. I mean, that, but yeah. like I tell people, like I always look at the um, it can always like always plan for 50 percent worse than the last worst case scenario. Um, I learned yeah. that in yeah. the in the flood that my town went through because we'd had floods. But um, everybody said, oh, we've been through them for you know decades. And it's like then we got a then we got a thousand year flood that came through that was worse than any of those. So I always look yeah. at, OK, well, we've we've had a pandemic. We know we've lost people. I, I get it. The number isn't, you know, it's right. all over the place whatever, or whatever, right. but, but people have died because of it. Sure. And, you know, don't think that there haven't already been, you know, we've worried about, or we've debated whether this came from a lab. Well, let's say that it did. There is all kinds of nasties in labs oh, yeah. all over the place. And oh, so yeah. don't think, don't, don't get a mistake for a minute that our true enemies that just want to see our downfall aren't trying to weaponize Ebola or whatever right. it is that they can try and just get where they can release it into a water system, into the air, whatever it is, 
that they can that they can just let it go because they've seen what it's done to to our country. Now, on that note, our response to this was a shit show from the very beginning. And we have just basically bailed out, you know, millionaires, businesses that didn't need it. We just handed out money. We don't have the money. What are we going to do? I'll print some more money. So economic collapse, um, you know, we've been saying it's going to come for even before the pandemic. Now we're starting to see the elements of inflation. Now we're going to get the super inflation. Now we're looking at, you know, when is there going to, when is the bomb going to finally burst? And so economic collapse is another thing that I know when it happens, it's going to, you know, they're, you know, billionaires are doing stuff with their money. They're, they're buying farms. They're built, you know, they're buying bunkers. I'm not saying people need to do that, but what if your area like loses resupply? And I don't care if you're in the suburbs, you don't have to be in like high crime urban centers for that to happen. Um, When Hurricane Katrina happened, they bust everybody from the inner city out to the suburbs and out to other places. And they, they stayed like they just brought the crime with them. It's like, Hey, it's kind of cool out here. Right. So, um, you know, so those are some of the things that are like kind of the, the big ones for me that, that you need to prepare for. Yeah. I mean, even looking at what, you know, what's happened, you know, when you're thinking about, okay, you know, your shelter in place, you shut down. I mean, even like basic hunting skills and trying to harvest and butcher and things like that. I'm like, I know me, a couple and a handful of people that I know that can do it. But, you know, other than that, I mean, these are also, you know, things that, you know, pop into my head and, you know, just shit that you acquired growing up. I mean, you know, even knowing how to, how to fish for crying out loud. Right. So, I mean, there's a, a, you know, some basic things that, you know, that everyone can do Uh, again, you know, what's happening now, if you ask me three years ago, you know, could, I hate to use the term because it's cliche, but could Nazi Germany happen in America? I would have said, you know, no, you're out of your mind. But now it's like, you know, between vaxxed and unvaxxed and, you know, right and left and all the lunacy that entails. I mean, you know, you've got, even if you get, I mean, civil unrest is happening. It's not, it's not imagined. I mean, defunding the police, I mean, New York City, I'm right outside New York. Um, You know, there's still like the sections that were bad just got worse. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, there's areas you can still go into. It's not like a it's not like a a, a war zone, but crimes up one hundred and eighty five percent murders. I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, people are like, uh, you know, getting I mean, even the crap that just happened in the subway. um, It's just one one thing. Um, so, you know, again, again, like we keep going back and I think we keep circling back to this is that people just feeling like the obstacles of to prepare is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And in reality, it's what we're saying is it's not, I mean, you can start very simply. Like if someone were to like, if someone didn't do anything and we'll finish up here. So if someone didn't do anything, where, where's the best place for somebody to start, man? It's a great point. It's a great point. It's one of the things that we do cover in the masterclass is because that's the biggest, um, the, the biggest obstacle to people is procrastination. And the reason why they procrastinate, I mean, I, I've asked a lot of people that have talked a lot about it or read a lot about it or watch videos and things like that. Like, well, how, you know, do you have X amount of food available? And it's like, well, no, but I'm, I'm going to someday and I need to get that going. It's like, someday is not an actual day. Right. And so, you know, what I tell people is that um, 
like I like their their two biggest complaints or or their biggest procrastinators are, um, gosh, there's so much I have to prepare against. You know, grid down blackouts, pandemics, um, nuclear, like all these different things. Like I don't know where to begin. So you freeze, and then it's like, okay, well I go online and then this guy says to do it this way. And he's pitching the camouflage backpack and Jeff, you're saying do it this way. And you've got your blue backpack. And it's like, well, who do I trust? Like who knows what they're doing? Like this, I've seen, I, I, I know the guy, so I don't, I try not, I don't never name him, but he's Navy seal and he had a backpack out there and he was selling it. And I'm like, you would never wear that backpack. Like I know you, right. this is for a buck. You would right. never wear that backpack. Cause you know, you'd be targeted. And it's like, right. So who do you trust? Like if you're in like, oh, the Navy SEAL said to buy this. So I'm going to buy this one. So I tell people um, the very first place that you start, and this is going to seem weird because it's kind of the opposite of what everybody is typically doing. Because I said earlier, most of the time your home is going to be the best place for you to stay because you can fortify it. Like, right. You have, you can store more food there. Obviously you can use better weapons. You've got everybody together. Like it's most of the time it is going to be the best place for you to be until it's not right. And then all those, you know, your 50 caliber sniper rifle and everything else, you know, you can fit stuff into a vehicle, but if you waited too long or whatever, now you've got a problem. So again, I always look to what is the, the last, like, where do we start from? And, um, in executive protection, we always started with the safe room because that was going to be our last, like if, if all else failed, yeah. we were going to go to that. Roll and then you start there. building yeah. out the layers around that. We do the same thing in survival. You start with your bug out bag because if all else goes wrong, if that's all you've got, then that's going to, you've got, you know, you've got three days of food. You've got a way to, to filter water. You've got, um, you know, security, you've got, you've got those things with you. Um, and, Like that's where you start. And even if you didn't have other food in your house, you still at least have three days. You know, you got three days inside of your bug out bag. And then if you need to leave, you, you grab it and go. Right. So, and there's other, there's other elements to that, that I go over the masterclass of like how you actually do those things. But, but that's where it starts. Like you, even if, and that's why people say, well, I'm not, you know, why the hell would I go out into the wasteland with a bug out bag? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay at home. Most of those people are probably have poor health. Um, right. Don't you know? Not and I'm not talking about walking a hundred miles, you know, right. off into the wasteland, you know, for looking for zombies. So, right. But you've got to have something, even if it's just going to the local shelter. Yeah. They're just going to hand you a, like a you know a grocery bag. That's all they're going to give right. you to hold your stuff in or whatever. So, right. just being able to have that with you means it's easier to carry. Um, if it's you know if it's comfortable, there's things that even if you're older. Um, we talk about ways that people that are older um, have mobility problems, ways that they can still have a bug out bag, use their system and everything. So that's where we tell people to start. Start with your three days of the must have gear inside of a bug out, inside of a bug out bag. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Very cool, man. Well, again, it was great to uh, spend some time with you again. I mean, dude, when's the first time we talked? Probably 2007, I'm going to say. Gosh, yeah, it was back when, I mean, Carl was still around and everything. It yeah. was just, a, yeah. Yeah, it I was mean, a long way around. Yeah. And then we just continue to circle around each other and circle yeah. back. Um, but we're still both here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our mad ninja taekwondo skills. Right. Of course. Of course. So, yeah. So look, man, we'll have details for the masterclass in the uh, in the description. We'll put it out for everybody. Uh, dude, again, thanks for coming on. 
Uh, again, always a pleasure. Great to connect. And yeah, um, that's it. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining, for listening to the recording. Uh, much appreciated. You know, like and subscribe, all that fun, usual nonsense that people say on YouTube. And uh, until next time, uh, trade honestly. been listening to the warrior life podcast we hope you've enjoyed the show you can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us and leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts and don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels you'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com we'll see you next time this has been the warrior life podcast prepare train survive